Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 186 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. You are joining us for a special one. Allie Miller here with Becky Yu. Hey guys. And today we are talking all about Becky's first trimester, her personal share of her pregnancy, which we're super excited about over here. And of course, we're going to be providing you with information on how to work with taste aversions and nausea and all of the delightful side effects that come with a bundle of joy, (laughs) as well as nutrients to focus on during your pregnancy, really specifically digging into those first 12 weeks. So I've just passed at the time of recording the 18 week mark, and we figured this was very well timed to give you guys an episode on pregnancy. I think the last time this was really done was back when you were pregnant with Stella, which was beyond four years ago. Pretty wild. She's almost four. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So for those episodes, you guys, episode 21 25 and 27 we dedicated an entire episode to each trimester so we'll probably do something similar i'm thinking here oh yeah i've I've had a lot of notes so far and a lot of aha moments and i'm excited to finally speak from experience about some of these things yeah yeah (laughs) and then in general we also have an episode on infertility i didn't pull that one but i think that that's right before i shared my first trimester because i also shared my personal story and i know we're due to kind of circle back on that so stay tuned i think we're going to pull in a little bit of how to cope with miscarriage and um, dealing with supplement protocols for hormone rebalance and also infertility struggles and considerations. So we'll be doing another version of that coming up as well as uh, episode 134 was another good resource and that was called Keto and Pregnancy. We will talk today a little bit about insulin demands and changes in carbohydrate intake and different recommendations and what Becky and I personally did today. Um, And then when Becky shares her second trimester, we'll get into all the fun stuff like opting out of your glucose tolerance test and all of the things. I got plans, but we'll see how that all goes when it shakes out for real. Cool. (laughs) So we have tons to discuss, as you guys can hear. Um, Before we go into that, a little bit of updates. We have moved class one of our next round of our 12-week food as medicine virtual ketosis program to start on May 27th. So that's only a couple weeks out. Uh, We expect to have a full group and we're really excited to empower you guys and provide you some tools and resources as things shift focus, hopefully in the near future, as we get more access to um, step away from social distancing and more dining out and all the things that come with summer travel and such. Uh, We want to make sure that you're empowered with really optimizing your metabolism as well as layering in some food as medicine as you still have some downtime um, to really work inward and, and start 
processing forward with your healing journey. So join us. It's um, going to be registered at AllieMillerRD.com and it is our 12-week food as medicine ketosis class. Whether you are a keto newbie or a keto veteran, we've had nurse practitioners, physicians, you know, um, anyone from any form of their background really enjoying the outcomes and the information that we share in each course. Yeah. And we did a really big rehaul on the program this past January, but it's literally different every single time. I'm sure we'll tie in a little bit more of immune support and kind of current events and things, depending on what's going on when we start this in May. Um, and we also added on to this past program and are going to continue with some really special discounts on labs and supplements that are only available to class participants. Yes. So go on over to check that out at AllieMillerRD.com. And pending on when you are listening to this episode, you may experience a beautiful new website, which is going to be launching May 11th. Also super excited about that. Just a little touch base on that. Uh, We have a new website for all of the supplements, programs, books, and eBooks. And then we are going to keep our clinical stuff over at naturallynourishedrd.com. So we're doing a little bit of a a breakdown. And the new site at Allie Miller RD is going to have such an awesome user experience. With all of our supplements, we are tagging them, whether they are safe for pregnancy, very on topic. We'll talk a lot about supplements today. Uh, If they're safe for breastfeeding and for kids, there's a lot of information on how to take them, more than just the suggested use that's currently noted on the website. There is Q&A section. There are research references. There are trailers and videos on six of the products with our launch of the site. So really so much more interactive education, including also a learn tab that has protocols. And we can't wait for you guys to experience it. We have a quiz on the homepage in which you can determine what products are a best starting point for you. So I'm just super excited to share. Definitely go on over and check it out if you're listening to this after May 11th. Yes. Super excited for it to be a much more smooth process for you all. And we've been hard at work for several months now. <laughs> I was going to say. since this baby has been cooking at I'm least. I'm excited for my adrenaline <laughs> <Yes>. to come down. <laughs> yes. Lots of uh, late nights and, and uh, behind the scenes HTML coding and all of the things, which yes. we love you guys that much. I love you so much you. that <laughs> I broke out with a fever blister on my lips. So, you know, that's serious love. But I will say I turned it around in like three days. Yep. Good for all right. Before we jump in, let's have a quick word from our opening sponsor for this episode Further Food. Yes, y'all know that we love Further Food products. They make the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health food tonics. Becky and I both converted to using exclusively Further Food for our collagen and gelatin needs probably now two and a half, three years ago, something like that. And when we put out the episode all about collagen, where we interviewed Ashley, who is on the Further Food team, um, we were not only swoon and we really enjoy her personality. She's been such a fun person to work with, but we did so much deep dive of clinical research and double blind placebo studies on the benefits of collagen for connective tissue health, gut support, vascular health, repair of things like pressure ulcers, uh, cellulite reduction, and so much more that we both decided we were going to modify from just a fat fast to a collagen fat fast and have really been on that train nonstop. 
So I recommend you go on over to furtherfood.com, put in Allie Miller RD at checkout, or you can also put that at the end of the URL and you will be able to save at checkout and also let them know that you learned about them from the Naturally Nourished podcast. Yes. I've been auditing Byron on making my morning coffee to make sure I'm getting my full two scoops now that I've got a little bit of a belly and <laughs> skin is starting to stretch yes. um, and probably will be going up to like three scoops on a daily basis here for a while. Sure. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. So in today's episode, we're planning to kind of flip roles a little bit here and I'm going to let you, Allie, ask me some questions about my experience so far. And then we'll probably flip back a little bit and have you round out with some of the higher level stuff and and definitely get into some of the big nutrients of focus during pregnancy and make sure that we give you a good insight into like what's actually happening in the body through all of what we talk about. Sounds good. Okay. So let's just start off with, um, and listeners, you know, what's super cool. I'm sitting next to Becky in 3d. Can you feel the vibes? (laughs) Can you feel the energy of how awesome this is? Uh, long time coming. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, the preparation for your pregnancy and how you found out you were pregnant. Well, full disclosure, we weren't exactly trying. Um, we knew that we wanted to start trying probably within the next year, or so, but we're planning to move to Austin, which we're here now, which is why we're in person as of like a week and a half ago, I think. Yeah. Um, and that was really supposed to be like the big focus of 2020 was transition to Austin and Byron's job transition that's happening right now. But the universe just decided that we were ready to <laughs> take on all of the things. Um, and luckily I have been kind of following my own advice or our own advice here. I've been on our multi-avail mama since we launched that product. So well over a year, maybe even into like a year and a half by the time we conceived. Um, and even prior to that had been dabbling in uh, different prenatals. I've been on a prenatal for well over a year. And, and that's really why we recommend Uh, that women of childbearing age just be on a prenatal formula in case something happens that is not so planned. Totally. And, you know, the same nutrients that help to support a healthy pregnancy, especially those important nutrients in that first trimester are the same ones that aid with fertility. So that's probably why you were delightfully primed. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, And I feel like there was a lot of other stuff I was doing supplementally, Um, and you know, pretty much I was taking like everything in our line, but I think some of the big contributors, um, were my EPA, DHA extra, um, B complex. I've been pretty religious about, um, relax and regulate. I've been on for like, since before we private labeled five, six (laughs) years, um, pretty religiously, like two scoops every night. Um, cellular antioxidants, which we talk about a lot in terms of kind of preserving, you know, healthy eggs into our older years, getting pregnant, you know, yes. 31 you guys reduce the oxidative <laughs> yes. stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I've been taking all of the stress and adrenal support formulas for several years now, as well as bioidentical progesterone. I couldn't decide if that one was like two or three years, but have been pretty solid on that because I've always tested functionally low in progesterone um, and finally got my levels like up to where they need to be, at least as of my last test. I don't know where I'm at 
Well, your adrenals <laughs> were, were at like yeah, stage were three plus <laughs> <They were> of, <laughs> of insufficiency. So there was a lot of yep. pregnenolone steel, I think, yep. happening yep. there. There was a lot happening. Yes. Um, and Wasn't I that the funny battle you were saying when you get your cholesterol checked? Uh, <laughs> Becky would do these like executive exams with Byron's work and, uh, you know, when she was working to get her cholesterol up, she would like celebrate as the numbers went up and the person who was reviewing them would be like, oh, your cholesterol's increased this year. She was like, woohoo. It was at 150 last year. What happened? You're at 170 now. And I'm like, it's still not high enough. Yeah, it's finally getting in (laughs) Uh range. Uh It's not hypocholesterolemia. And yeah, I was using pregnenolone and DHEA intermittently in there too. doing a lot of the behind the scenes work on hormones. And then I had also done a pretty intensive gut cleanse within the past year um, and probiotics like crazy ever since then. So I feel like Mm -hmm. all of that kind of set the stage for conceiving mostly by accident and (laughs) everything being so far so good. That's awesome. And diet wise, you've been pretty much maintaining for the last two, three years also, like a 1.5 keto, right? So that's a term that we use in our 12-week program, and it's essentially harnessing metabolic flexibility, right? So making ketones, but not stressing out over celery. Totally. Yep. And and I was practicing some pretty regular carb cycling in there too. Um, and, you know, using my menstrual cycle, which was super on point and super regular, at least for the past like six months or so, um, doing days one to two and then days, you know, 15, 16 usually, or maybe stretching to like 19 or 20, depending on how long my cycles were. Yeah. And always kind of looking for that post ovulation yep. time. Cool. So, uh, what were you using? So, so with it being a surprise (laughs) and I know the answer, so I can, I don't have to tread lightly. Um, yeah, let's talk about birth control methods. So did, did something fail you or were you just not paying attention or what was kind of the, the, um, impact and what were you using for birth control prior, I suppose? Okay. Well, with the September due date, that means your baby was likely conceived during the holiday season. So we'll just put that out there that this was like most likely from what I can tell between Christmas and New Year's, definitely a period where, you know, things are a little bit more relaxed. We were traveling, we were celebrating more, definitely having more wine and connection between Byron and I. Um, and I had prior to that been using the Daisy, um, for like a good six months when I first got it, but I had gotten a little bit lazy. My cycle was really regular. So I was really just tracking in an app, um, and kind of, you know, knowing when the higher risk days were, um, but I, I wouldn't say anything failed me per se. I would say right. that we just, um, <laughs> yep. Got lucky. Didn't have that conversation of this <laughs> right. is within that window. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Got yep. it. Exactly. Okay. So safe to say a little bit of a surprise. Let's yeah. talk about, um, at the discovery of, Ooh, I might be pregnant kind of timestamp. What did that all look like? Well, it was like right around the start of our January keto class. So, you know, I always try to tighten things up along with the start of the class. And obviously with um, it having been holidays, there was a little bit more carb and alcohol indulgence and things. Um, So I at first was like, wow, I'm just having a really hard time getting into keto and it's messing up my cycle. So I was like a few (laughs) days late. 
And I was having a lot of like dizziness upon standing. Um, and this was like right at the time of, of missed period. And I really didn't put two and two together. It's like, well, I traveled, things could be off. I'm just having a harder time getting into tight keto. It's really messing with me, even though, you know, I cycle in and out all the time. So at first I thought it was that. Um, and then I had a trip planned in early to mid January to go to Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, so I ended up there, um, with what I thought was altitude sickness, um, cause it's a really, you know, high, uh, above sea level place and also really dry climates. I'm like, man, my electrolytes are so off. I'm doing, you know, too tight of keto. Let me just loosen that up a little bit, bring my relax and regulate with me. And I was having headaches, dizziness, nausea. And then I threw up like twice and I was oh. like, mm, this is not, <laughs> this is not normal. But being on a girl's trip, I was like, mm, maybe I'm going to wait until I get home um, to, you know, take an actual test. And I, I did, I, at one point, like walked into a gas station and was like, do you guys have pregnancy tests? And they didn't. So I was like, screw it. It's a small town. Like it's hard to get things. So I texted by her and I was like, um, I think I'm pregnant and we need to pick up a pregnancy test on the way home from the airport. So <laughs> that's how yeah. I found out. <laughs> yeah. While well, you're unpacking and sitting on uh -huh. the toilet. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yep, yeah, it's positive. And I knew it. And you know, gave myself an extra three days of like a teeny bit of wine, but honestly kind of had changed, you know, drinking assuming. behaviors and things like that, assuming, and also just not feeling awesome. I was like, something is yeah. happening. The body works that way on purpose, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because the systemic vasodilation of pregnancy can occur as early as five weeks. So that can be one of the primary telltale signs. Like I think of, you know, breast tenderness and then mm -hmm. the, that when you said you were like standing up and feeling yep. like you were faint, yep. that hemodynamic very variability is pretty significant. So I think that that's one of the, one of the big ahas yep. for yep. sure. And I was having some like shortness of breath going up but the, the altitude, stairs. That makes it confusing. Yeah, it totally <laughs> did. I'm like, this is never, cause I, I'd been there several times before. I'm like, it never hit me this hard and like. You know, if anything, my body should be more flexible and adaptable and, and, you know, healthier than in college when I was here, but nope. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw you like that following maybe three or four days after mm -hmm. probably and noticed that you had a glass of wine at our meeting as a prop. <laughs> I was like, um, I'm I, okay. I'm going to have a second glass of wine. Yours hasn't budged. What's going uh -huh. on? And I looked at your face. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Yeah, I, <laughs> you didn't even have to tell me. I couldn't keep it a secret um, for even like more than five minutes, but I did. I was like, well, should I order wine and tell them at dinner? I don't know how to do it. This is the first people we're telling besides, you know, each other and you knew. <laughs> Super exciting. Um, yeah. And then that night we actually were in the same hotel preparing for the business meeting, going through all the supplement regimen. Like, yep. Boom, 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 yep. boom. This is what have changed. Check, 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 check. When are you going to up your progesterone? Do to do. So let's talk through some of those shifts yeah. that you made um, in your supplement game. And let's really namely, like I said, so excited for the new site because there will be the like, you know, not safe with pregnancy, not safe with breastfeeding and vice versa. And so that should really help people that are navigating and exploring new products, finding out what support is safe. But let's definitely call out those that you had discontinued and maybe one of the featured ingredients, why, or the consideration. Sure. 
Um, so yeah, obviously I stuck with my multi and was pretty religious about that. I was still at the time taking the six capsule version. I'm so glad we have a four now because yes. um, especially with some of the nausea early on, that was a little bit rough. Um, I kept rocking my EPA DHA extra to support DHA, um, and baby's brain development, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I kept my B complex in, um, especially for some of the fatigue I was feeling early on and my vitamin D, um, just for immune support. Um, and then my restore baseline and targeted strength probiotic, I got a little bit or no, my, um, spectrum probiotic. Say, and, those and are the same. They're yeah. the same thing. Rebuild spectrum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rebuild the spectrum. green and the white. The other R, um, got really religious about taking both of those every night. Cause I had been still dabbling in some like cleanse focused supplements, um, like using berberine intermittently, especially if I was having alcohol or increased carbs, um, using a little bit of our, um, herbal immune support here and there. Um, so I really just focused on, okay, let's just strengthen the microbiome, stop with the kill mode of, right. of focus. Um, and then relax and regulate was the other big one that I made sure to keep in. And I'm still, um, very, very religious about that one. And I, I did discontinue. I was taking probably like one super turmeric daily. And I know that, um, turmeric and high doses can cause early contractions. Um, mm -hmm. so that's something I knew to stop right away. Adaptogen boost. I had to like sit with and be like cost benefit. Is it worth it? Cause a lot of times with, especially the herbal compounds, it's more that we just don't know, or there hasn't been enough testing on pregnant women because it's not really ethical to right. do so. Um, so we were kind of looking at the different classes of the adaptogens in that formula and did decide to discontinue it for the first trimester. Um, I did stop calm and clear and I stopped um, GI lining as well. And it wasn't the, do you remember what ingredient was in the adaptogen boost? In the Calm and Clear, it was because of the ashwagandha. Yep. Ashwagandha is one to be concerned about with pregnancy. I think it was the rhodiola that's an unknown. Okay. Um, because I thought ginseng was for sure fine, but could have blood pressure uh -huh. issues, right? Yep. And then cordyceps, yep. we felt like was fine. Again, untested, but yep. we were like, uh, it's an adaptogenic fungus. Right. And then um, I shared after my first trimester episode that I had stopped my maca route, but when or if I decide to have a second child, I will definitely continue maca during it. Because again, I just kind of look at that cost of benefit of Peruvian women have been yep. taking this route and consuming it for hundreds of years, no known birth defects. And I know that if I let my HPA axis go AWOL and I'm under so much stress that that rising cortisol is significantly more harmful to my developing fetus then, or my baby, um, you know, more so than that potential harm. And so like you said, I think that taking that individualized way out of some of the herbs is worth it, but there's definitely some that are known to, to avoid. Totally. And, and the other thing with some of the adaptogens is, um, that I've been reading and listening to in, in some of the podcasts I follow, but, um, like the cordyceps, for example, if we're upregulating the immune system too much in early pregnancy, that could actually cause miscarriage too. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to be cautious with that one. Um, but I have started dabbling in it now that I'm a little safer and further along Into a couple times third. a week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you reminded me that I could take 
adrenal support, yes. which I like forgot about, even though I had been living on like four to six of them a day. Right. I was like, you're eating organs, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm actually focusing on it now once I can keep them down. <laughs> and I was like, well, then you can totally take yeah. adrenal support. And that's, you know, going to be a, a clean, easy one to help you then remove some of those unknown herbs. So I think yep. that was a good technique. Totally. Um, and then GABA Calm I've pulsed in for sure here and there and um, definitely using some CBD as well to replace some of those, you know, unknown adaptogens. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about dealing with um, headaches and nausea because some of those things I think are great techniques for it. So you mentioned upping the relax and regulate Mm -hmm. and then I'm thinking CBD would be a good thing or some other things. I remember literally feeling like a freight train. I remember telling Brady I had two pillows, like one on the top of my head and one under, and like just cold washcloth. And I and I'd be like, make it darker. And he's like, it's yep. pitch black. Yep. And like, make it darker <laughs> and quieter. And he's it's like, it's so inside quiet inside of my head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would just literally retreat to the bedroom and put on my eye mask. And I was doing some peppermint essential oil. Okay. Um, and I also have a topical CBD cream that has peppermint in it. So doing that like. Oh yeah, my forehead and temples. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I think I caved and like when I had like a four day long headache, took one turmeric, like maybe all of two times if I just could not shake it, but started with bone broth first and, um, you know, upping my salt, working in the relax and regulate. And then it was kind of a, a last resort of like, okay, one turmeric is not going to yeah, yeah, break the bank. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, again, it's right, that that applying logic and critical thinking because, yes, that is one known effect, but there's also known effects of other over-the-counter pain managing exactly. compounds. Yep. And at, the, at that level of, you know, being out of commission, yep. you have to just make decisions. Exactly. And that was the experience, too, like with my OB. I'm sure we'll get to this, but when I went in for my eight-week and 12-week visit, they'd be like, how are you doing? And I would just be telling her how I was doing, like, oh, I'm having some headaches and the nausea has been really bad. And it was immediate to the prescription pad. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like mm-hmm. no one's even discussed with me, like what I'm currently taking or what's safe or yeah. uh, what I could do in terms of natural interventions and things like that. So I got a whole list of like the safe quote unquote safe NSAIDs and, and things like that. I'm like, turmeric sounds better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then I know that you were doing a lot of more intensive exercise and you kind of took a little bit of a downstep to more like walking parasympathetic yep. <laughs> so that you didn't then add tension and yes. fatigue headaches as well as the shortness of breath and all that stuff. Yeah. Too. And like, honestly, the fatigue was pretty debilitating there where it's like some days yeah. I was walking the dog and taking a nap and I'm, I, I'm not a napper. Um, I was a napper when my adrenals were really shot, like in college, but I haven't historically been a napper. And, and I just embraced that because I'm like, this yeah. is what my body needs right now. I did some like gentle yoga flows and um, a little bit of like more Pilates focused and um, strength training, you know, just on my yoga mat in our apartment instead of even going to the gym and touching weights. Yeah. 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 And prepared me for um, social not being allowed to and not being allowed. I was to go gonna to the say gym. that um, I didn't want to sound kitschy, but I was gonna say you know when we were sitting in Charleston uh, in January and you told me and you were like yeah we're excited but like we're a little bit you know bummed maybe because moving to Austin we won't get to like you know go right. to all of the restaurants and the out you know nightlife <laughs> and I'm kind of like this is the perfect time to cook a baby. <laughs> like, it totally actually is. like Netflix yep. and chill. It totally and is. It just 
you know, incubate. Yep. I wish more of my first trimester had fallen within that because now I'm like, oh, I have energy. I want to do yeah. stuff. And yeah. I'm like a little cooped up, but we're figuring it out. <laughs> so let's talk about the least desirable, in my opinion. I, I haven't experienced it and I'm sorry to say that because I feel like a jerk, but let's talk about the <laughs> nausea. I could not um, believe, you know, the the nausea and vomiting that you experienced in the first trimester, um, it seemed pretty remarkable. Yeah. My mother-in-law says it's a good sign. Um, and it's it means strong baby. baby's healthy and strong. Yes. And also everything that is happening in my body right now means it's a boy. So, um, <laughs> we don't know that. <laughs> I've also heard nausea more for girls, but yeah, lucky you that you did not experience morning I know, sickness. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Like starting from that kind of week five where, you know, before I even had taken a test, I had thrown up a few times and my sense of smell, uh, that was another big tell of like, oh my God, what smells like something died in here. And Byron's like, um, it's just like the normal trash that's here right. every single day. I kept telling him that he smelled like fish permanently. Um, <laughs> so a lot of, um, new smells and things I've had to adjust to, but yeah, um, major food aversions in those first several weeks. And really up until like week 12, I think was the last time I was here. I was at your house. The mm-hmm. last time I puked was like right at that week 12, um, timestamp. It was, it was rough. It was like nausea, pretty persistent. It is not just morning sickness. It happens at any time of the day. Did you find any, what were your good interventions? Like uh, what were your good tools? Just so, since we're talking yeah, about it. Yeah. 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 Um, staying away from fish okay, <laughs> and everything yes. that smelled like fish and people that smelled like fish. Um, and then I did a lot of the simple mills crackers. So just looking to, you know, grain-free versions and, and versions that I was on board with. I haven't gone to gluten at all and don't oh, plan good. to, um, but grain-free versions of like kind of typical food that you would think of with nausea. So it was like, instead of saltines, simple mills, instead of ginger ale, ginger kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, was going to ask yeah. about, did you do any ginger shooters or like, um, yeah, shoes? yeah. I had, um, Trader Joe's makes these little ginger shots and I was doing those as a shooter or like mixing mm. that with sparkling water. And for a while it was like the only water I could even keep down was mm. sparkling water, which isn't my usual preference all day, but some days it was what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I even used, um, ginger essential oil, like diffusing it and putting it on my wrists to like smell. Um, that seemed to help a little bit, um, a lot of, um, like smoothies and just kind of higher carb foods in general. And then I would make myself like bake something. Um, so I would have a quick grab little treat, you know, every day that I could kind of reach for. So like an almond flour muffin or something that sounded, you know, easy on the stomach, um, an avocado toast on gluten-free sourdough was yeah. like the savior. <laughs> I need, yeah, I've never tried that. What's the brand that you're doing of the gluten-free sourdough? It is called bread seriously, but it's S R S L Y. Oh, like the chocolate. Yeah. Here. That's yeah. Interesting. Different company. Yep. Okay. Um, they're out of, I think San Francisco. Okay. And I'd heard about them through clients, tried it like once a million years ago. And I was like, that sounds really good. At first I tried like a farmer's market option, but it still had corn. And this one is 
It's all sprouted grains. It's like amaranth and millet, hmm. um, but all gluten-free. You can try it next time you guys come over. Well, okay. I've got three loaves in the freezer. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. I'll, I'll come yeah. over specifically on a carb cycle. Yep. Yep. No, I'll bring my berberine yep. boost. <laughs> sounds good. And I remember we were talking um, at some point, and I was like, Basically, I'm just going to start recommending everything that Stella eats to uh-huh. you, Becky, and you just need to eat it. And I remember being like, you know what you need to eat is a siete quesadilla and yeah. just take some rotisserie chicken. Yeah. Don't try to add any greens in it or any vegetables and just put some cheese in it and, you know, two siete almond flour tortillas, optional hot sauce. Yep. No hot sauce for the yeah. first trimester, too, but, too but yeah, the quesadilla was a lifesaver. I got into for like a week, like a where I just wanted literally pasta. So I did like one of the red lentil sprouted pastas and was just eating that with like cheese as a mac and cheese type of option. But it was a little bit different than my typical diet, to say the least. (laughs) And let's talk a little bit about that because I think that, that there is some, like I said, kind of intuition, not intuition, but the body knows what it needs and that, you know, you you likely did, you did feel better as you incorporated more carbs, right? As far as the uh, nausea yes. and the blood pressure stuff <laughs> yeah. and a lot yep. of those and symptoms. And the fatigue too. I mean, I sure. still was really mindful to get some form of protein and fat, but it was not what I usually recommend to clients right. in their first trimester. And sorry to all of you who had to get those recommendations from me <laughs> well, before I experienced it for myself. <laughs> yeah. And we always talk about really listening to your body. Yeah. And in episode 134, we did talk about how it would make sense to do the first trimester like a phase two, which is really more of like 60 to 90 grams of carbs. And there is definitely physiological impact that would warrant that. You know, the body is going through so much metabolic process and it's demanding nutrients at such high demand. And insulin is increased substantially in early pregnancy. Your pancreas actually gets larger during pregnancy. And by the 10th week already, your body's producing two to three and a half times more insulin than it does in a non-pregnant woman. And so that does play a role down the line, of course, when we get now where you are kind of ease into the second trimester and, and the nausea kind of resolved yep. when, like week like 16 or Probably 15? Like week 13 to oh, 14, good. I think, was yeah. like totally gone. And now it's like um, very normal-ish. Normal, just I like think. the foods. Just, yeah, just, just eating food and like kind of back to normal-ish. And I can definitely go... I'm intentionally still incorporating more carbs, but I can go like several meals without. Maybe I just do carbs with my dinner or a little bit more berries and just kind of a more liberal 1.5-ish approach again. And that's the thing to keep in mind that as we go into the, you know, 20 plus weeks and whatnot, that that's when then we're very concerned about really watching insulin resistance, which increases substantially. You know, women are 50 to 70% more insulin resistant in the second half of the pregnancy. And this is when also, again, you're definitely over the hurdle of nausea. And um, that's when we really want to focus on the nutrient density because we're really focusing on then the, the superfoods at that yep. point, able to tolerate them and also able to kind of wean back on those carbs. And um, that really works well with the physiology of the body in this, in this flow. Um, so just being mindful of that when you have higher 
increase of insulin production because you're trying to grow a baby. Remember, insulin is anabolic, um, so you want to create mass and growth of the baby. It would be reasonable to eat a little bit more carbs so you're not going hypoglycemic, and that's further perpetuating those symptoms that can be associated with the first trimester. Totally. So my body told me to throw keto out the window, and I did for yeah. a little bit. But I, I still don't think I was going on a typical day, like more like and who knows if with that sixty to ninety that insulin grams. levels, you yeah. may have still been in the light nutritional right. ketosis. Who knows? Yeah. Because you may have just been gobbling up the the glucose, and and that kind of all goes back to that metabolic resistance. But also, why you don't want to ever get doctrinated. You want to maintain that intuition of your own body and your body really telling you what works best for it. So now I'm sure if you go for some of the things that were higher carb now, you'll feel maybe a little more bloated or like needing right. to go for a walk or you'll be yep. like, okay, that was too much. Switch that out with roasted cabbage. And you just kind of intuitively ease right back into that optimal metabolic state. That's what I'm doing. And <laughs> I've got myself eating sardines and liver. So I think I'm rocking it. That's amazing. <laughs> I think now you're like, yeah, A plus plus yep. Yep. for sure. Over the up. <laughs> Yes. Um, and I made sure to check my, my A1C and fasting insulin too at that 12 week blood work, which they still looked, you know, great and, and really where they had been throughout, you know, my time doing ketosis. So it'll be interesting. I'll have those checked again, um, probably at 20 weeks just to kind of preempt the whole oral glucose tolerance test discussion and, We'll visit that more in part two and see how that goes. Yeah. I think you're uh, the birth center that you're going to work with. And, and really cool. <laughs> anyone, don't let anyone tell you that you have to drink purple drink. You don't have uh -uh. to drink the purple drink. <laughs> and um, none of those ingredients belong in your body. And none of those ingredients support healthy fetal development. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if your body isn't used to taking in that many concentrated grams of um, sugar, it's going to have a response that may fail and that may not show that you are not tolerant of carbohydrates. It may show that you're not tolerant of a chemical shitstorm. So, yeah, I can't tell you how many clients I have that fail that. I'm like, it's not because you never yeah. consume that many grams of carbs. You would never in do sitting. that. You're not going to drink a big gulp. Like, we'll rant more on it later. It'll yeah. be even more fun. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's just talk about some of the frustrating feedback, and then we'll go into nutrient density sure. um, about your standard OB practice. And so you already mentioned, like, the first line of defense was like, here's a prescription, mm -hmm. headache, mm -hmm. here's this. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, you know, how you confirm the pregnancy and, like, what you got as pushback for requesting confirmation. And um, let's talk about the thyroid uh, element of all of this as well. Totally. Um, so... I actually had not had um, a well woman exam probably in a year and a half. And I had one scheduled anyway for like, it would have been week seven. And I was like, well, let me call them, make sure that a, this, you know, this uh, practice works with new mamas and that they'd be able to do, you know, a transvaginal ultrasound. Cause really I don't want to go just to talk to a nurse or, or just to pee in a cup again. Yeah. Pee in a <laughs> cup. I'm like I did that at home. So I want confirmation of placement. Um, so I ended up canceling that appointment and scheduling with a different practice for week eight. And the first appointment they had me go to was actually with their financial advisor, trying to opt me into a plan, not even having confirmed the pregnancy, just going on That's my word insane. alone that I was pregnant, like literally without even doing the appointment with the doctor, they tried to opt me into a plan through birth to sign and put a deposit on it. And I was like, 
uh, I'm moving in like a month and mm-hmm. absolutely not. I want to go, you know, per visit and, and a la carte and I'm not going to spend any more time here. So that was my first like really bad taste of just kind of the business of, of having a baby. I'm like, this is absurd before you even confirm. And like, you're going to take money from me. And this might not even be a viable pregnancy. This makes no sense. So I was pissed, Yeah, <laughs> but I did confirm that I could go back like right at the week eight mark and get the vaginal ultrasound. So heard the heartbeat and saw my little, the OB called it a little gummy bear, um, on the screen. <laughs> it was cute, but like super weird looking like with a little tail situation. I'm like, what's that hole in its head? And where's its brain? Yes. <laughs> you know, totally, totally strange. Um, and, and kind of got more crap advice of like, Oh, here's a free prenatal sample. And it's got DHA in it. And I'm like, mm, no, thanks. I've got my own. I'm it's like a hundred milligrams, <laughs> yeah. if yeah. that probably, yeah. and, and it comes with a side of food coloring uh-huh. and folic acid. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then how did you navigate? Did you fill out? I always think it's so funny when I go to a conventional physician, I just start, I just start writing now all the supplements when right. they're like vitamins yeah. and minerals. Cause I'm like, um, we could just pull my website together, uh-huh. but I'm not going to write the form and the dosage cause you're not they even going to look or know. No. Um, and so how did you navigate that? Did you have any conversation or any questions and did you discuss the bioidentical progesterone? Mm, so yeah, I, I did fill out just what I, and I had paired back already on my supplements, so I didn't bother with anything I wasn't actively right. planning to take. Um, and I think I probably fudged a little bit and like left off yeah, magnesium. Just the word probiotic. Just, yeah, or, probiotic. Yeah. Like they don't yeah. need to know anything more than that. And they're like, okay, none of this should be contraindicated. You're taking a prenatal was really all they wanted to know. Um, and then the bioidentical conversation, I don't think I wrote it down anywhere, but it came up with the OB. Um, and she was like, young and cool-ish and and hip. I think it was her first year in practice though. And she was very, I found just like by the book, like if this, you know, equals that. Um, So I told her, I was like, hey, I would like you to run my progesterone value if we're doing blood work today um, because I've been using a, you know, a transdermal cream for the past several years, I had clinically low progesterone and I want to make sure that's still appropriate and know if I need to up my dosage. And yes, I'm being managed by a practitioner. Her name is Allie Miller <laughs> and myself. Yes. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, um, I haven't heard anything on the research of, of transdermals, but I use intravaginal. Yeah. Here's a suppository. Yeah. Do you want me to switch you to that of synthetic? And it was like, um, I think I'd like to see my value first before I change right? anything <laughs> um, to make sure that's warranted. And, and I'm happy to look into the research myself and make a decision next time we talk. Um, so she was cool about it. She wasn't like, you know, stop it completely or it's dangerous. Um, and, and my thought process was I've been doing this. I don't want to pull the rug out right. now. No if anything, I need to ramp it up. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's when I consulted with you. And I was like, what do I do with my progesterone? Um, so I bumped up, I think right away at that, like eight week after confirmation to 40 milligrams. So a double pump and then 60 milligrams, probably starting like week 10 or so. I think I was a little behind the curve of, of actually ramping it up. 
um, and stayed on the 60 or three pumps um, through week 12. And then at that point, the placenta is really taking over production. Mm -hmm. And and obviously we had another OB appointment. Everything was kind of confirmed again. I did have an ultrasound at that one as well. Um, So all was looking good, but I didn't want this big dramatic, like dropping off a cliff. Totally. Um, so I weaned down and I think I was a little slow on the wean down, um, which I don't really see an issue with. So I went to 40 for a couple weeks until like week 14 and then 20 up until week 16 and then just off at week 16 and beyond. Yeah. That sounds pretty close to what I did for sure. And where was your progesterone when it was tested? Do you recall? Um, in the blood, it really wasn't. Was it low normal? Or it was low normal. Right it was like in the, the twenty. It was like twenty five, twenty six. Okay. Um, and then didn't increase because I had blood work at week eight, and then at week twelve, and I tried to consult with the OB like through their messaging system, and she was like, "It is within. It's just mm-hmm. it is within the normal range." I'm like, "But it only went up a point, and I increased my dosage, and I know and that should it be yeah, relatively yeah, increasing? Should it be increasing?" Yeah. And I'm like looking at these graphs throughout pregnancy of how yeah. it's supposed to increase and all of this, and she's like, "Well, it's within normal limits. Like it might have even gone down a partial point or something." She's like, "It's within normal limits." So that that was the comment. I was so frustrated. <laughs> so let's talk about the thyroid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yep. One plus two equals three again. Um, yes. so at 12 weeks, I, um, took advantage of our, uh, corporate, uh, little checkup that we get every year. And I always go in with this like mega list of labs knowing that I'm going to get pushed back, but I can at least get like my thyroid and some basic screening done. Um, so I was really mindful at that time to get thyroid progesterone again, and an iron panel with ferritin because I know that's an early marker for iron deficiency and being recovering vegan yes we always (laughs) like to check that yeah when you've had a level below 10 (laughs) in the past um, my ferritin was 100 um, at that checkup actually so multi-avail mama was like really working in my favor and despite like not being able to eat a steak for the entire first trimester yeah it kind of hung in cast iron was still there though right cast iron pan everything yep exactly um and so my my tsh came back um and it was 4.6 and so that's thyroid stimulating hormone again we've talked about this on um past podcasts where that's not even a marker of your thyroid function. That's just how your brain and your thyroid are really talking to one another and communicating. Um, and the reason I asked for thyroid to be run is that I know that the thyroid can often go off during pregnancy Mm because it's a stressful time in your body. There's a lot of metabolic change going on. And, um, so I was recommended immediately to go on levothyroxine, without even looking at a free T3, which is the active thyroid hormone. So for some reason, they just did my TSH and free T4 and missed my request to run. And you didn't share the free T4. So what was the free T4? Uh, That was 1.27. Okay. So normal. Right where we like it to be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I remember we were talking on the phone about it, right? And um, I thought you said that the doctor was like, I like the... And they were confused. She, she, she confused herself, right? She misquoted what she was even supposed to be looking at. So TSH is what she was, you know, prescribing based on. But she was like, oh, I actually like free T4 during pregnancy 2. to be 2.5 or, or greater yeah. or something. And I was like, I've never heard of that. Let me double check that. And in the meantime, 
I would like to request the following additional labs because I feel that this is not a complete picture of thyroid, but go ahead and, and put the prescription in. And if these labs come back abnormal, I know that, you know, the risk of taking a thyroid hormone, it's, it's just thyroid hormone. It's right. not a significant risk. And that, you know, risk of miscarriage when the thyroid is off is But is I would like the name brand because levothyroxine right. is... Yes. 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 Anyway. Yeah. And that would have been a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know. I, I would want to consult with an endocrinologist and right. like, you'd have to refer me out to get me to take that. But I need a complete picture. And so I had to rerun the TSH because I was like, hey... I know that TSH fluctuates literally day to day. Yes. So this was like from, it was run on a Thursday and then I got it run again the next Monday <laughs> and it was back down to 1.88. My free T3 was normal or even kind of normal on the higher end at 3.3. So if anything, yeah. if I had been given thyroid hormone, I feel like that would have kicked me into hyperthyroid, yeah. which also has a high risk of miscarriage. No so, doubt. No doubt. Um, it was just a... a feeling thing and also just like knowing my shit a little bit better than that doctor did. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to sass you, but like, this is not appropriate. And she, she did, she misquoted. She's like, it's based on the free T4. Oh wait, I meant the TSH. Yes. Like those are two very different things. Yes. Because I remember yeah. when you called me and I was like, those, or you showed me on your phone, we were actually mm -hmm. together. Yeah. And I was like, um, TSH alone is non-concerning. Right. It's made by the pituitary as Becky knows that I'm not educating her on that, but I was like, you know, that's where like all of your hormone is being regulated. That's where your body makes oxytocin. That's where your body makes your follicular stimulating hormone, your luteinizing hormone regulates your progesterone and estrogen. I was like, it's got a lot of focus beyond your thyroid right now and your free T4 looks fine. And then when she said that, that number, I was like, oh man, she's referring to the TSH. Uh -huh. That's a little creepy. I uh -huh. don't know if we should trust this person. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's, that's Not really where my I, niece or nephew. No, that's where I lost <laughs> trust. House. I'm like, okay, like let's just get through the basics of like what's next for genetic screening. Um, I actually canceled my 16 week follow-up with them and just got the blood work done. Cause it would have been a virtual follow-up anyway. And I'm like, that's a damn waste of, of my time to discuss results that are normal. So I'm excited to be in Austin where we have a little bit more access to midwives and, and kind of more forward thinking, you know, birthing centers. And, um, my next visit will be 20 weeks to find out the sex. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Cannot wait. And I know that, yeah, when we do the second trimester episode, you'll share a lot more probably about the birth plan, even more so in the third trimester. Uh -huh. So yes, let's go into some nutrients and focuses for the first trimester, a little bit more of the pathophysiology or how the body functions at that time. But first let's have a word from our sponsor ourselves, Naturally Nourished Supplements. I don't think it could be a more perfect sponsor for this episode, right? Because that's all I was taking. That's what this baby is made from. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our supplements are very powerful tools, which under the guidance of a trusted practitioner can deliver really profound health benefits. And our supplements are promised to be of the highest purity, potency, efficacy, and we really you know, strive to be at the forefront of the emerging science and deliver you guys innovative formulas that are really setting the standard of this industry. So every ingredient we're sourcing, we're looking beyond just a certificate of analysis from the supplier. We're really, you know, checking for ourselves yep. and we think that you should too. Yep. Yep. So we have 
direct vendor testing beyond the batch ingredients that we get from suppliers. Uh, we also ensure that all of the products in the Naturally Nourished line are third-party assessed to ensure that they are free of mold, toxins, contaminants, and on the other end of the spectrum that they actually have the active ingredients in the dosages noted. We ensure that all of our formulas have the most bioavailable forms of nutrients that deliver clinical outcomes, and we really look to provide formulas that have synergy, meaning the ingredients work together to create more beneficial outcome than each ingredient on their own. Um, a good example of this is our super turmeric, which incorporates the dried curcuminoid with turmeric oil and has been shown to have substantially increased efficacy and outcomes. And that one gram capsule can really be a powerful player as a safe alternate to something like an NSAID drug, like Aleve or Advil, not only keeping you pain-free, but also knowing that you're taking something that's enhancing your cardiovascular function, potentially improving your memory, your mental health health and reducing inflammation throughout your whole body while not destroying your gut and doing all of the other potential side effects that we can get. So the entire line is non-GMO, gluten-free, free of soy, uh, quality controlled, and super amazing. Um, we can't wait to share with you all of the products on the new website, AllieMillerRD.com. Go on over there, take the quiz, and see what's suggested for you as a way to get started. Also check out our bundles, which are curated ways for you to get started. Uh, we have bundles for women's hormones, for immune health, for adrenal support, for uh, stress management. We have a bundle curated for the anti-anxiety diet protocol and even keto essentials and yep. mama to be. Mama to be, that's right. probably the big yeah. sponsor of today's so, episode. <laughs> yeah, mama to be has the uh, multi-avail mama in there, the restore baseline probiotic and the EPA DHA. And then a happy add-on to that is the relax and regulate uh, because we know that relax and regulate has two powerful ingredients, the magnesium bisglycinate, which can reduce neuromuscular tension. Um, and also that can help with regulating blood pressure, uh, reducing headaches, and the inositol in there really supports female hormone regulation. It has such inc incredible research. 62% uh, increased ovulation was seen in research on the four gram dosage of myo-inositol used in one scoop of Relax and Regulate. So go on over to the website, check out all the things, and um, you can get them all at AllieMillerRD.com. All right, so let's switch gears and hit nutrients of focus to kind of round things out for today. And maybe I'll start asking the questions again. Okay. If I've done enough talking about myself. Um. <laughs> it's good. It's great. Yeah. Everyone's going to love it. Okay. Um, so yeah, starting with um, iodine, which I think is, is maybe, it's very on topic, certainly with the thyroid discussion, but something that's often left by the wayside of, of kind of conventional prenatals. And we don't hear a lot of talk about the importance of iodine during pregnancy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Iodine plays a substantial role in actually producing or synthesizing the thyroid hormone, right? And it also plays a significant role in early growth and development. Uh, it plays a role with the developmental stages of most organs, especially the brain. Uh, and so this is a really important piece of development in baby, especially in that first trimester. 
And we do include iodine in our formula of the multi-avail mama with 220 micrograms, which is really that, that gold standard amount. And then you can look at food as medicine blend from seaweed. Um, we have that really awesome blog on the stress hormone, stress thyroid connection, excuse me. So for those of you that aren't pregnant, we'll make sure that we link that in the, in the show notes. And that blog has a highlight of a couple different recipes, but one of them is the nori yeah, uh, almonds. almonds. I yes. forgot about those. It's like keto crack. I'm going to make those like yeah. this weekend. I'll yes. take a batch. You can double down on <laughs> I'll that, double sister. It. I got lots of almonds from my Costco haul. Yes. And then um, let's tell listeners what you've been doing to your popcorn. Oh, yeah. Add on. So if I'm going to do popcorn, which definitely has been like, I'm incorporating an evening snack like most nights. I otherwise find I'm waking up at like 3 or 4 a.m. starving like I did last night. <laughs> Just getting to that point. Um, and yeah, popcorn definitely has made a reappearance probably no more than like once a week. Um, I pretend I can't make it for myself and then have to ask Byron to do it. So that like, you know, is a little bit of a barrier for me having (laughs) it every night, even though I totally know how. Um, But I found this um, really cool furry cocky, I think it's called blend. Um, So it's, it's um, Nori. Oh yeah. Is it Eden? uh, Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, So it's Nori, seaweed and sesame seeds and just like a really good salty umami flavor to add on top of popcorn it's either that or truffle salt and Mm -hmm. the truffle i figure is a delicious flavor but doesn't have the nutrient benefits um so i've been trying to (laughs) add that to things a little bit more often and and now that i'm getting more adventurous again with my palate um i was doing some like seaweed egg soups that are kind of Korean tradition that you're supposed to do when you're pregnant. Byron's mom was like, you need to make it for her right now and make her eat the fish. I'm like, I'm not doing the fish, but I'll do the soup with the eggs and the seaweed and the bone broth. Good. Um, And then I also have a recipe that will be coming to you guys for a sardine and salmon salad. That was pretty tasty as well. Okay. And let's talk um, about fish and the importance there. I know that you've been reading up on the benefits of DHA and let's share some of kind of the research that you dug out there. Yeah. So I read um, Emily Oster's book called Expecting Better, um, which was recommended to me by several friends. And it's kind of, uh, she's an economist and, and when she was trying to get pregnant and going through her pregnancy just did a lot of deep dive research on some of like the conventional wisdom. Yeah. 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 Stuff that we're just told as women and we accept like can't drink coffee and no alcohol whatsoever and things that I'm like, I want to know like pasteurized juices only. Yeah. Again, thinking cost of benefit. We should do a whole episode on that. Yep. There's a lot, um, there for sure. And, and like sushi, which was the only fish I was craving in that first trimester. And, and turns out that that may not be as harmful as like, you know, deli Turkey could be a little bit more controversial and apparently gardening is like the worst thing that you can do, but I've been doing it anyway. Um, but her research, um, she but you have up, given up scooping the cat. Yes. The cat litter box. Yes. But in the book, don't tell Byron this. The book says that gardening is worse than oh. scooping the cat litter. And I'm like, I can't go back now. One brings I, me joy. The other I'm, just does I, not. <laughs> I'm shocked that he's letting me keep the cat, honestly, um, with having to do that chore. Cause that was like our big agreement of like, I would take care of everything cat related. So he's, he's being a trooper. Um, but 
Back to the fish and and DHA connection. So in her book, she cites a couple of different Norwegian studies, um, which I feel like that's a good place to study DHA and and fish for sure. They have a longevity. Uh, Yep. Yep. And good quality sourcing and all the things. Um, And um, one of the um, facts that she pulled was that increasing DHA by about one gram per day can increase IQ by 1.3 points, which actually is not... (laughs) (laughs) that much. Um, but studies have demonstrated that, you know, women who consume more fish tend to have children across the board with higher IQs. And then the other kind of flip side of that with the fish is that mercury and those high mercury fish that we're told to avoid during pregnancy will decrease IQ by about 0.7 points per one microgram per gram seen in umbilical cord blood. So the dance is getting like the high DHA fish that have low mercury. And I think that that's another ignorance from what I've heard from friends from their OBGYNs Mm -hmm. that they've told them, oh, stop your fish oil because... It, the mercury concern. Take this synthetic DHA, right? Have have you have <laughs> yep. you not heard that? Yep, I have, and that's why our EPA DHA extra is molecularly distilled and tested, not only for just mercury, but it's also tested for other contaminants like PCBs and other compounds that we see that pollute our oceans. So, you know, dioxin and things like that. And so it's definitely something to be mindful of. And and when you're getting a dosage like that, you want to make sure that that source is of the utmost quality. So sorry, another little rep for our our line, but but I think that's really important. So the EPA DHA extra has 580 milligrams in two capsules. So really by doing like three capsules a day, um, which is what I actually take anyway, um, you could do four and that would be reasonable. And then I would just say when you get to that like 30, ninth week, you might want to go back down to two so that you don't have too much blood thinning effect um, to just help with the, the delivery process. Totally. Um, and let's just name some of those highest fish. So I know salmon's on the list and that's like the most common and um, wild cod, which is actually a very affordable fish that you can get frozen. Um, and then it's like the smaller yeah. herring and mackerel, which are not that tasty and They're sardines fishy all of the like canned yep. yeah yep um the smaller kind of oily fatty fish which at least our epa dha and is made from you know what wasn't mentioned but i sure. believe to be a great source as well is uh wild caught shrimp um i don't believe that they have high contamination because yeah, no. they're, so small, they're so small right yep. Um, and so I think the crustaceans are a really good choice as well, yep. like scallops, but maybe they just didn't make the list cause they weren't quote they weren't unquote fish. fish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But um, shellfish is a great choice, yep. I think. For sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to, trying to hit that one extra IQ point by upping my fish and I definitely second trimester, first trimester, I was like two EPA DHA. If that stays down, I'm happy. Right. <laughs> um, so now I'm going for that like three to four a day. Okay. And then choline is another one that is potentially equally as important as folate when we're talking about neural tube, neural tube defect and we're talking about brain development for babies. Um, so we see that when women enter into the third trimester, there was a research study that demonstrated 480 milligrams of choline per day versus 390 milligrams per day. The infant information processing speed and the visual spatial memory was tested at four, seven, 10, and 13 months of age. And they saw that their their mean time or the average timing increased across the four ages was significantly higher for those that had the double dosage or the 930 milligrams. 
Um, so when we're talking about choline, we're thinking about its importance in DNA methylation, um, the way that it plays in accelerating fetal and placental tissue expansion and that, that neural brain development component. And I talk about in the anti-anxiety diet, how acetylcholine works as like a transductor for our neurotransmitters. So it's like the telephone line, if you will, of the communication of our neurotransmitters. So aids with not only cognition and thoughts and um, information intake and processing, but also with mood stability, which I think is important to note when we're dealing with toddlers and (laughs) all of the things. We we want all of our children to be as pleasant, not only to have neuroplasticity, right, and all the benefits of cognition, but also a pleasant demeanor would be fantastic, (laughs) right? Um, Super smart and super well-behaved. So that's that's what we're going for here. Yes. The um, B-complex we like to layer on Mm -hmm. to the multivale mama for that reason. So multivale mama has uh, 50 milligrams in there. The B-complex adds another 100 And then um, as long as you're getting two eggs a day, which is like a standard recommendation that I make, and it can always be more. Um, So aiming for two eggs with the yolk. The yolk is where you're getting the choline as well as the vitamin D and the B vitamins and all the things, um, those fats. But the egg yolk, two yolks a day on average. And then if you want to even be an extra superstar and you can incorporate beef liver, you're going to get a really great potent dose of the choline as well. And choline is pretty substantially found in bacon, which yes. I never had a problem to <laughs> yeah. take in yeah. any day throughout any trimester. And I'm sure you, maybe even with your nausea, Becky, yeah, that was, was like one bacon, food that yeah. you could probably well, have. Especially like the potassium in it. It was like, this is an electrolyte yeah. supplement. Like some days it was like just the yolk of the egg dipped, you know, with the, the gluten-free bread and then like avocado and two or three substantial slices of bacon and that happened. (laughs) So Becky and I were kind of jiving on earlier before recording that maybe third trimester, you could consider like pulsing in just a phosphatidylcholine, um, which we can link one in the, in the show notes that we like. Um, but I think that otherwise dealing with the multi-avail mama at its four capsules a day, the B complex getting in two egg yolks and then the bacon upswing beef liver is going to be extra credit and you'll easily hit hit around that range and like most prenatals out there don't have choline at all or be complexes to to Uh -uh. name that right right so that was a big thing like when we were sourcing our our prenatal and and searching for the perfect formulation a big thing that we wanted to make sure that it had most definitely good on us yes (laughs) so let's talk about some of the other key nutrients um calcium i think that that's one that's a little bit controversial and um, for reason, we do keep that a little bit lower also in the prenatal. So we have that flexible dosing and it kind of depends on if an individual is incorporating dairy in their diet or not, but beyond dairy, because dairy is just the easiest source, right? So you can get calcium actually in the grass-fed way. And to note that you also get the bone matrix growth factors in the non-denatured grass-fed way. So if we're talking about like the benefits of structural health, for baby, that bone matrix, you know, development that you're going to get from the grass-fed way would even hit heavier than milligram per milligram of calcium per se. So that's important to note, and that would be seen even in things that have their bone intact, like canned salmon with their bones. So when you're actually getting bone-derived compound, or you're getting that non-denatured grass-fed way, you're going to get um, a more biologically available delivery. 
Um, and then if you are not eating those foods and you know, you're just doing like leafy greens, leafy greens can be a reasonable source. Almonds can be a reasonable source. Blackstrap molasses is good for, you know, mineral diversity in general, a little bit of iron in there, some B vitamins, and you do get some calcium in there. Uh, but I would say likely adding in the osteofactors at like one, um, to two tablets, depending on your intake of calcium would probably be a good recommendation just based on baby's growing needs. And that would be a reasonable thing to bring in, you know, middle of second trimester again, as the structural growth is increasing. Sure. So you can kind of pulse things and prioritize them based on what's happening in baby's body. And I don't think I mentioned this, but I think a need for calcium is where my random cottage cheese craving yeah. <laughs> came from Talk about in the first intuition. Trimester. I'm like, I have not eaten cottage cheese since like, you know, doing various diets in high school and maybe college. And it makes me think of like Weight Watchers, but it was for a couple of weeks, like my <laughs> biggest protein source. I think that with like everything bagel seasoning <laughs> sprinkled on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I just think that the calcium that you'll see otherwise in a, a lot, again, a lot of prenatals, like I, I, I think I can do this because my podcast, my voice, um, the ritual prenatal is one that a lot of people ask mm -hmm. about. And, uh, maybe we can pull that up as, as you're talking next, I'll pull it up. Um, but you know, a lot of prenatals are going to have folic acid versus that methylated folate. And a lot of them are not going to have the trace minerals like ours has chromium as well as the, um, iodine that we were just speaking to choline, a lot of these nutrients that are high demand so that the larger, cheaper minerals like calcium, to be frank, we don't really have room to optimize mm. that daily recommendation in there. So just add a qualitative MCHC, meaning microcrystalline hydroxycalapatite, which is the bone matrix from New Zealand cows that we use in our osteofactor. And that's going to be a bigger push for the development of baby's, you know, bones, teeth. Also be mindful that calcium plays a role in, you know, heart development, nerves, muscles, the, the heart rhythm. And so again, this is all things that kind of become more focused middle of second trimester onward. Yep. And with those cheapo forms of calcium, like calcium citrate and things like that, you run the risk of calcification yeah. and kidney stones and things like that. So no bueno. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit on B vitamins and iron. And I'm mm -hmm. going to look up that nutrient. Yeah. So we hit choline um, pretty hard, I think, as kind of that B family of, of vitamins. Um, and then folate obviously is a big one that I think has been harped upon us or maybe, you know, folic acid. Like that's what the nurses kept saying to me at that first visit. And I'm like, Okay. I, I got it. I got it. I'm taking that, but in a different form. Um, but folate is a big one where we want probably like 800 plus micrograms. And I believe our multivail mama in the reformulation has about 1300 mm -hmm. micrograms of folate. Um, so that's the big one for like neural tube defect prevention, prevention of things like spina bifida. Um, and just really thinking about folate for any rapidly growing tissue um, and B vitamins in general for rapidly growing tissue. And a baby is definitely, I can tell you, <laughs> rapidly growing tissue. They grow really fast, especially uh -huh. starting apparently in the second trimester. I'm like, oh, I have a belly all of a sudden. Um, but definitely another reason to love on egg yolks, get your liver, um, getting those B vitamin rich, you know, proteins where you can. And then the added layer of the B complex just gives you a little bit more of a, a security blanket, I think with the Bs. Um, cause I would say across the board, 
with, you know, mama's postpartum, I like to run a micronutrient panel, like when moms are starting to wean. And I think that's across the board, right. like one of so the, the demand biggest, stabilizes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. You're still completely producing yep. to feed someone. Yep. So exactly. Just, There's not only growing going. this thing, but, um, you also are breastfeeding for a year, you know, plus in some cases you need that stuff. So the, the B complex is a good thing to keep you, you know, out of the water and you may still end up deficient based on demand of certain B vitamins. Um, and then iron is a big one too. And that's why I'm like, let's check for iron deficiency at least a couple of different times. I know that was a, an issue for you. The petechiae. Uh-huh, yeah. Stella yeah. And, and kind of a miss, right? A big miss. Yeah. So that was episode, my second trimester episode, a, a good one to listen to of another one where you're like having this conversation and you know the answer and you're looking at someone just giving lip service. So I'll let you guys go listen to that episode for that. That was fun. Yes. Um, and so yes, iron is super important as well. Um, and you know, we see that most of our followers and clients are doing more of a paleo diet. You guys know that we speak so much about the importance of eating animal um, and using cast iron that we also adjusted that to be a little bit lower in the four capsule versus the six capsule formulation because we want to make sure that we are getting a good balance of that elemental iron in the cooking process from the cast iron as well as that heme biological iron which is superior to any form of iron supplement but when we're talking about the supplement all of the minerals in our formula are going to be chelated so that they are the most bioavailable and iron really becomes a big big issue as we get to that end of the pregnancy because there's such changes in blood volume and you know the baby needs iron to make its own red blood cells so that's definitely something to keep monitoring and you know watching your total iron binding capacity your percent saturation again you can listen to my second trimester (laughs) and like watching for out of the norm like shortness of breath all of a sudden that wasn't present prior and and dizziness and things like that or all of a sudden we're really fatigued again and we had kind of come out of that as as early signs too but there's no reason at any visit that they're you know that you're physically going in for it that there's a lab literally right there in most right. offices there's no reason that you can't go in you know asking for the same labs to be repeated every time that you have an in-person visit or every time they want to take blood from you most definitely you have to be your own advocate yeah. and you have to go into mama bear mode and just push for what you need what you know you need because your intuition is definitely on at this time and so your voice is all that you need for validation yeah. <laughs> the end yeah. um yeah great so um and then i think we'll talk a little bit more like macros in the role with the second sure. um, episode so you guys know of course like we said in this first trimester being a little bit more liberal on carbs keeping them more paleo focused would be best you definitely need to start focusing on protein because it does play such a big role with demand for growth and development as well as immune support and y'all know we would still keep you fat dominant regardless yep. of the distribution of the other two players. Yep. <laughs> um, that's going to play such a role with satiety. Um, you know, regulating your fat choices is going to play a positive role on inflammatory process, giving you those fat-soluble hormones, um, which are going to play a role with hormones, excuse me, the fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, um, all really important players there. So I did find our friend, the ritual vitamin, and there are 12 essential nutrients in it compared to, oh, boogers, I counted ours and I already forgot, but I think ours is 30 something. It's got to be 30 plus because it's double Um, side of like a full label. Yep. And like, for instance, the magnesium in it is 
33 milligrams. Um, and uh, yeah, everything's pretty low. It does have uh, methylated folate and it does have methylated um, B12. And it does have choline at 55 milligrams. Okay. So, you know, we're pretty much looking at like a horse apiece there on choline. Um, and it does have iodine at 150 micrograms instead of our 220. Um, so there's definitely more diversity, more trace minerals, uh, antioxidant capacity, and um, there was not calcium in either. So I okay. think that that's becoming kind of a new thing. We're seeing that calcium takes up so much space in a prenatal mm-hmm. that, makes that sense. it's more of like a recommendation where the dairy association is taken over. Right. <laughs> Right. And, and to make space for things like trace minerals, as you mentioned, like selenium that you probably won't find in most prenatals and the ritual, their whole campaign of like, it's just the essential nutrients, only what you need. And it's like, well, you can't really decide what my body needs. (laughs) needs. And and so we really strive in our formula to cover all of your bases and, and cover all of the kind of distinct possibilities of deficiency and beyond that to support a healthy growing babe. Yes. Yeah. So we hope that this episode was not just informative, but also a little bit more fun. And um, I know that Becky will keep her journal rocking through this second and onward to the third trimester. And we'll have so much fun stuff to share. Don't worry. This isn't going to be only baby talk hour. We're going to yeah. switch it up. <laughs> so we won't be sharing the second trimester until probably like eight weeks from now yeah. or more. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for all the things, but thank you for tuning in as always. If you love today's episode, go on over to wherever you're listening, whether that is iTunes or Google play or YouTube, leave us a five-star review. Make sure that you subscribe so you're in the know and also make sure you take a moment to check out AllieMillerRD.com and all of the beautiful amazing changes that we've made sharing is caring so if you want to take a snap of your order or your product or you perusing our website and share it on your Instagram or Facebook or social share be sure to tag AllieMillerRD and as always thank you for listening thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.